morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and you'll see on your outline if you have your uh, yellow sheet that we are looking at the triumphal entry this morning. Now, you have a few options this morning when you see that we're talking about the triumphal entry. You can begin to think, what day is it? This is not Palm Sunday, right? Did we miss that memo? Uh, What are we doing talking about the triumphal entry on September the 25th? This is not Palm Sunday time. So no, you are not in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, This is precisely where we are in the book of Mark. And so we find ourselves in the triumphal entry and you can indeed talk about thy triumphant entry in places other than Palm Sunday. All right, I know we don't have the kids waving the palm branches, but we can still talk about this particular passage of Scripture. So this morning, we're looking at Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entry of Jesus leaving Jericho and coming into Jerusalem. And now we're really looking at the back third of the book of Mark. Uh, The book of Mark has looked at Mark 1 through 10, and we've gotten a a pretty large swath of time. And here we go, verses, chapters 11 through 16 are essentially going to take place in the truncated view of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and then dying on the cross. So all these chapters are going to be right here talking about Jesus's uh, coming into Jerusalem, all the things that he would do there in these last days until his resurrection, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. It's a packed few uh, passages of scripture, but there's a lot of good that we need to come away with this. Now, last week, we were reminded as we look at Mark uh, 11, 1 through 11, we see that the very last thing that Jesus would do, his last miracle besides the turning of the fig tree, would be Jesus coming into uh, Jerusalem right before he is healed blind Bartimaeus. Remember last week, Jesus is going to heal blind Bartimaeus. Many of you said uh, too many bees last week with the blind Bartimaeus and all sorts of uh, things there. But anyway, blind Bartimaeus was healed last week um, by Jesus. One of the last things that Jesus would do would be one of the primary things that he's come to do is that's to give sight to the blind. He's coming into Jerusalem, giving sight to the blind, healing the blind, causing those who are blind to be able to see. So you see the spiritual ramifications of Jesus coming into Jerusalem to come to die. And so here we have all this this background coming into Mark chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn it on or open it with me to Mark chapter 11. Let's read together. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied up, one on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and sat on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches and they had cut, that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Let's pray together. Lord, would you open our hearts and our eyes to see precisely what it is that you would have for us this morning. Lord, thank you for the joy that it is to study your word freely, openly, together. 
Thank you for the joy that it is to have our hearts transformed daily, continually by your word. Thank you that your word is indeed living and active, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit. So would you do that precisely through your word this morning? It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. The first blank that you see on the outline is that there is joy in serving together. There's joy in serving together. Now, I know that this is a very small portion of what Jesus has done in Mark 1, uh, Mark 11, 1 through 11, but nevertheless, it struck me uh, very freshly again this time through it. It is just a small word, and I don't want to overstate it, but I also don't want to understate it. That as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he calls two of his disciples together, and he says, hey, go get me a donkey, and he says precisely what they're going to find when they go get this donkey. They're going to find a colt tied outside of town, and you're going to uh, be able to tell the owner that the master, the Lord, is in need of it. Now, Jesus has done his normal pattern of sending two to go and, and uh, do this task, this ministry-related task. He's going to send two of his disciples to go, reminding me afresh and anew that there is joy in serving the Lord together. Right? There's many reasons why maybe Jesus would send two of his disciples, and there's some practical reasons and some spiritual reasons, but just right off the bat, I want to give you this word, that there is joy in serving the Lord together. Right? In ministry, we serve the Lord together. We go together. We do things together. Today at five o'clock, our ministry teams will go out together, either two by two or three by three, out to visit friends who have come and visited our church who just need a dose of God's encouragement. We don't go alone. We go together. And can I tell you, one of the most devastating things the devil tries to do is to keep us isolated from one another. Continually, what the enemy wants to do is to keep God's people isolated from each other. And and again, I don't want to overstate what the Lord is saying, sending two people out to go get a donkey. But at the same time, we see a pattern of what Jesus does over and over, right? In Mark chapter 6, we talked about this several months ago, maybe a year now ago, Mark chapter 6. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to go heal the sick, teach the message of repentance. Two by two, they went out. So this is a pattern over in scripture that we see Jesus sending people out two by two. This is why I see God has so beautifully ordained the church that we would come together as a faith family to be together and to encourage one another, to be together in worship together. There's something good about the body of Christ being together. But there's also something so devastating when God's people individually choose to live separate and isolated from one another. And and can can I just tell you, if you look back over your day, your week, your month, your years, and you see a pattern or a proclivity towards isolation, please run away from it. The enemy so desperately wants to keep you isolated, alone, on the sidelines of your faith and of your ministry. And over and over, you see the Lord calling us to be integrated with one another, be on ministry with one another. There is joy in serving the Lord together. You can see how, over time, the enemy would keep God's people isolated, alone, isolated from one another. And with these two simple words, when Jesus sent them out two by two, I think there is actually a practical reason why Jesus would send out his disciples two by two in ministry. There's a reason why we go out two by two in ministry, and it's a very practical reason that Jesus would give. You see, Ecclesiastes would tell us that there is good reward for two. 
that two are better than one. I mean, very simply, two are better than one. There's good reward for their toil. Right? If one falls, there's another one to pick them up. The very practical reason is if somebody falls down, it's easy to help pick them back up. If there's a problem along the way, there's another person there to help you out. If there's an issue, and, and you think about this for a moment. These disciples are called to go pick up a donkey. This is their task. It's what they've been given. Go pick up a donkey, right? Not that important of a task, seemingly. Hey, go, go get a donkey, right? That's their ministry task. Go get a donkey. This is what Jesus has given them. And can you imagine on the way these two disciples as they're walking, the very practical reason why Jesus would send two by two, can you imagine on the way they're thinking, what if we don't find the donkey? What are we supposed to do? When we get this donkey, what are we going to, like, what if the donkey doesn't want to go with us? Who's going to talk to the, are you going to talk to the guy and I'll get the donkey? Right? What, what if Jesus, what if, what, if, what, if, what if what he said doesn't really work out? Do we need to, like, find an alternative donkey? Can you imagine just the conversations on the road thinking about what are we going to do when we find this donkey? I mean, the very practical side is they get the donkey to say, hey, you take a turn holding the donkey, and then when you get tired, I'll take care of pulling the donkey. You know, when people are asking, I'll, t- I'll be the talker, you be the puller, right? I mean, the very practical side of ministry is at times you need somebody to help you carry the load. You need people to come alongside you and encourage you as you take the donkey wherever the Lord has called you to take it. The very practical side of this is just the simple side of Jesus calling them two by two to go and do what he has called them to do, to encourage one another. But then you also see the spiritual side of this. As Jesus has called his disciples to go two by two, I kind of think as they're walking on the way, they're thinking, hey, what if we don't find the donkey? But the other one's saying, hey, man, do you think about all the things we've seen Jesus tell us. Think about all the things that we've experienced from Jesus. This is a, a pretty simple request. I think we're going to be all right. And then as they pull up and they see this donkey and they get this donkey and they, they recite precisely what Jesus tells them to say. And they find this donkey precisely like Jesus said. Do you imagine that they went away for the years of their life having this moment together to say, hey, do you remember when we got that donkey together? Do you remember? It was, it was exactly like Jesus told us. Years go by and they're, they're still sitting around telling their kids, hey, we got to go get the donkey that Jesus sat on as he rode into Jerusalem. And I realize it's a small and mundane thing to go get a donkey, but do you think that those guys walked around reminding each other on their difficult of days, man, do you know that Jesus told us to go get this donkey and it was precisely where he told us. We said the words and they allowed us to go get this. Do you think that there was a moment that those guys encouraged one another over and over with joy in their faces to say, we got to go together to go get that donkey. A few weeks ago, uh, I went on a little roommate retreat with my, high, my college roommates. And we kind of did precisely what I imagined these guys to do. We sat around a little fire and we just told stories. We told stories and every time we told a story, we said, remember when we did that? You remember when this happened? And there was just joy on our faces. You remember that time on spring break when we jumped in the elevator and the fire department had to come get us out of the elevator? True story, right? And we, we just laughed and smiled and, and took so much joy in such a dumb moment in our life. There's, there's joy in us being together. Now, if I had jumped in that elevator by myself, it's a story that I probably would not laugh about. Dumb story, by myself. But there's joy in doing ministry together, being together, spurring one another on in our ministry calling. In the days when things get difficult and the donkey doesn't want to pull, we say, let's keep going together. On those days when you forget the Lord's faithfulness and his goodness, you can say to one another, do you remember that time we got the donkey? 
Do you remember that time the Lord showed up? Just this past week, this happened as we're sitting in our evangelism class, you're one evangelism essentials, and I'm teaching the class, and Bo Cooper reminded me of a story. There we were three years later in Cuba, or three years ago in Cuba, Bo and I were, were asked by the pastor of this Cuban church to go with him to this man's house and to encourage him. We said, well, Bo and I said, well, of course we can do that. We would love to go to encourage a, a fellow church member on his way and encourage him to, to be involved in the church. And as we began walking to this man's house, the pastor began telling us more and more about the situation we were walking into. This man was angry at the church. He, he had uh, had a drinking problem. He was really upset at the church and he didn't want to see anybody from the church. He was angry. And so Bo just happened to drop this as we're walking up the steps or the pastor just happened to drop this as we're walking up the steps. And Bo and I look at each other like, are, are you going to say, who, what are we going to say? We don't speak Spanish. What are we going to say to this guy? And so we sit down in this living room of this man. He comes in and he sits down and it was a scowl like could cut a hole through a person. And he sits down, Bo and I sit across from him and the pastor looks at us and goes like this. And so Bo and I, there in Cuba, we look at each other and we're both like, but can I tell you, in the midst of that moment, it was an incredible moment of the Lord just giving us the right words to speak. It was a moment that I had forgotten about, a moment that had just been a, a small moment in the midst of Cuba. But in that moment, as Bo reminded me of the Lord coming through, that, that the Lord gave us words to speak, that that man came back to church that night. That man brought his children to VBS. It was an incredible moment. And just last week, as Bo said, hey, Mark, you remember sitting in that room in the middle of Cuba when we didn't know what to say, but the Lord showed up? Do, do you remember that? Do you remember how awesome it was to see that man come back that night? Do you remember how cool it was to see him bring his kids to church? And in the middle of this house in Cuba, the Lord sent Bo and I two by two. In the midst of my forgetfulness, he just reminded Bo, hey, Mark, you remember that time? Remember that time the Lord sent us out to Cuba and the Lord showed up? Friends, there is joy in serving the Lord together. There's joy in being together as the body of Christ. And they got to think of all the practical reasons that Jesus sent two of the, his disciples to go get this donkey. There's a wealth of spiritual reasons the Lord sends us out two by two. And so if there's any part of you that is believing the lie that you can do this Christian life alone, great proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. It's ministry calling that we go together, that we labor side by side with one another that we encourage one another, that we lift one another up, that we walk with each other through the trenches of life. And again, I, I don't want to speak too highly or too much about a simple thing that we see in the triumphal entry, but at the same time, they see the pattern of Jesus' calling. You go two by two, all through ministry. So let, let's continue on in this passage. Number two, there is also joy in giving what we have. Joy in giving what we have. You see as Jesus comes into town as they bring this colt that's never been ridden on, you see the disciples pulling off their cloaks and putting it on top of the donkey. You see that as they have this colt coming in, they, they're putting their cloaks down for this colt to walk across. They're cutting off branches in front of them and they're waving them in the crowd. They're saying, Hosanna, save us now. They're taking everything they've got and they're laying it down at the feet of Jesus to honor him and to give whatever they've got. Their cloaks, they've got leaves that they're clipping to say, Lord, we honor you. 
You see this from blind Bartimaeus as he's sitting by the roadside. He pulls off his almsgiving cloak and instead of laying it down, he runs to Jesus. If you flip back a little bit further, a parallel passage, you see that right before Jesus comes in in Luke chapter 19, you see his last encounter was wee little Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. A favorite passage of our kids, the little Zacchaeus, a wee little man was he hiding up in the sycamore tree. But look in, look in Luke chapter 19, you see Zacchaeus stood. And as Jesus is coming into town, he sees Zacchaeus and he, Zacchaeus responds to the Lord and said, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. His encounter with Jesus, his recognition of who Jesus is, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since also is the son of David. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. There's also joy in giving what we have, out of response to what the Lord has done. And take that and put it with number three, there's also joy in worshiping the king. There is joy in worshiping the king. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, you see the people saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord, Hosanna, which means save us now. The people are essentially shouting out, Jesus, save us now. Please save us now, Jesus. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting, save us, please, right now, Lord. If you look over on your outline, you see Luke chapter 19, parallel passage. You see the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. In this moment, their, their minds are going to Zechariah 9.9 that's at the top of your outline. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. In their hearts, they're hearkening back to Zechariah 9.9 seeing that indeed their king is coming. Their king is coming in humble form, not riding like Alexander the Great on a massive horse, but coming in humble on a donkey, just as had been predicted years and years ago. And what is their response? Worship. Their response is what it says in Luke chapter 19, in a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, all the things that they had seen, the response of everything that they had seen, the blind being able to see, the, the deaf being able to hear, the lame to walk, everything that they had seen, responding in worship to say, Lord, you are good. Save us, Lord. The culmination of his ministry happening now, and all they can say is, Lord, save us, please. It's so strong that in Luke chapter 19, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, rebuke your disciples in their worship. Lord, rebuke them because what they're saying is blasphemous. But Jesus gladly accepts the worship of the people. Let me ask you a question this morning. What mighty work have you seen the Lord do that causes you to worship? What mighty work have you seen the Lord do? As you see all the mighty works that they had seen responded in worship. What mighty work have you seen the Lord do that prompts your heart towards worship? Can I tell you, as we come next week to the one year anniversary of all that's happened in our church, it was a year ago that we were worshiping across the street in the parking garage of our uh, municipal uh, city parking garage here. We were worshiping in there because of what happened in here. 
And there has not been a Sunday since that we've entered into this building that my heart has not been more stirred in worship. Recognizing all that we have experienced, the faithfulness, the goodness of the Lord to bring us to where we are today. It has responded in my heart in worship to walk into this place and say, Lord, I'm reminded of all that you have done in this place over years and years and years. But Lord, I'm reminded of your goodness, especially in this past year. It's we, we recognize on a personal level, when we experience the good work of what other people do, we, we thank them and our hearts are just full of thanksgiving. At the risk of my own uh, uh, pride, I want to share with you how this has fleshed out for me. Uh, six years ago, around this time, we, we had Micah. It was about six years ago that uh, Brittany went into labor and I was laboring through a... Uh, uh, three meat uh, pizza uh, watching a football game. Uh, Brittany went to labor and I had just finished uh, half of a large pizza and um, I promise this has a point. We go into the hospital and Brittany does an incredible job all the while I am painfully sick from that three meat pizza. It's a terrible experience in my life. We got home and I had been no help to my wife throughout her laboring experience and got home and thought, well, this will be my time to shine, but it was not, sadly. She would wake up two, three times, four times in the middle of the night, and I just really deeply struggled, really struggled waking up to help her, just being honest. It was not a good moment. Four weeks in, I remember waking up, three weeks in, at some point waking up, and she had just come back from feeding Micah, and I remember waking up in my just stupefied nature and just waking up just awestruck at her. She had given birth to our first which is incredible. She's waking up throughout the night with no help from me, being an incredible mom the entire time. And I remember just this moment of just thinking, this woman is incredible. Just absolutely stunningly amazing. With no help from me, in fact, probably worse that I'm even there, uh, she is miraculously doing a, fin- and just out of my mouth in the middle of the night, just said, hey, what do you want? Like, do you want me to get you some jewelry? Like, how can I thank you properly? Like, I'll get you anything. Like, you deserve everything. Like, what, what in the world can I get you to say thank you? I mean, you are an incredible woman. And just in the middle of the night, it was just this, I recognized, how do I deserve this woman? She's, she's incredible. And out of it just came, what can I, how can I show you my thanks for you? How can I demonstrate my gratefulness to you? What is it that I can do to say thank you? I mean, as a flawed human husband, I recognized in the midst of my gratefulness to my wife for all the incredible nature of what she had done. As you look to the most incredible thing that God has done for us, do you not stand there and say, Lord, who am I? Or that who am I that you would endure the cross, that you would go to Calvary, that you would die in my place. What am I bringing to this table? I mean, I'm a sinful man, yet you endured the cross. You went willingly hung on the cross for who am I? What, What have I done to deserve this? 
And it's that moment that you say, but somehow you did it. Somehow you did endure the cross. Somehow you did die to take away all of my sins. And so what is my response but to say, Lord, what can I give to you? What can I offer to you? How can I demonstrate my thankfulness for you? Because the greatest thing that you have done is that you have taken away every bit of my sin when you died on that cross. And so as we look at the triumphal entry and we see the people looking at all of the mighty works of the Lord, you see the incredible things that God has done to heal the sick, to cause the blind to see, to speak with authority. And you see his disciples worshiping because of what they had seen. For those of you in Christ, for those of you who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, Do you ever look and just splendor and wonder and say, Lord, thank you? Does it come out in your worship daily to say, Lord, thank you for saving me? Who am I that you would love a sinner such as I? Who am I that you would love me? And the only way we can respond is just to say, Lord, I offer to you my life. I give to you my life, whatever, Lord. I give you all of me. What else could I, Lord, I'm giving you my all. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We'll see in verse 11 that he entered Jerusalem. He went to the temple, and that's where we'll put our finger until next week. Jesus has had this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The people are worshiping, they're celebrating. Last thing on your outline is you you come to grips with joy in serving and joy in giving and joy in worshiping. Last thing I just remind you is see and receive the king. It's easy to look and just say, oh, God's so good. Look at all the things he's done. But have you received our king? Have you asked him to be your Lord and your savior? Are you celebrating his goodness? Are you enjoying his presence? Are you worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth? Have your eyes been open to the reality that there is a God who loves and cares for you and desires relationship with you? And out of the overflow of your heart, are you serving the Lord out of the joy of what he has done? Let's pray together. Lord, we want to see and receive you as our king. Lord, for those of us who are having struggle remembering, Lord, I pray that you would put people on our pathway just to remind us Say, remember that time when, remember that occasion when, remember the joy in your heart when. Or thank you for the joy of the body of Christ. Come alongside one another to point one another to Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who has not accepted you as their Lord and as their Savior. Lord, if they're struggling with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, if they need you today. I pray that you would open their eyes of their heart just like you did for blind Bartimaeus. Or would you do that this morning? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.